All right. We are now in totally into January. It's mid-January, and it's starting to feel like winter should probably decide to end soon. I think that's at least how I feel about it. All the more so since it feels like uh, the, the possibility, even if it's not really a reality, the possibility of even going somewhere warm really doesn't seem to be an option this year. But the good news is that God is here. God is with us. Jesus has come. We celebrated just a few weeks ago the birth of the child. The child who was the son of God. The child that changes the world that we inhabit. In the 1500s and into the 1600s is a period of history known as the Enlightenment. It was during that time that the Protestant Reformation was also happening and things were changing drastically, dramatically in the life of the Christian church. This time of enlightenment brought all sorts of new scientific revelations as people began to question the world around them and to observe the patterns, the stars, the nature that they inhabited, and to ask questions of how the world worked and our place in the world. There was an astronomer named Copernicus, I believe he was from uh, the area that we would now call Poland, who put forward the idea after observing the skies that perhaps the sun was the center of our solar system well, what we now call the solar system, rather than the earth being the center of all things. Just a few years later, another well-known thinker, Galileo Galilei, would advance this theory that we lived in a heliocentric world, that the earth was not the center of the universe. This did not go over well with the thinkers of the day, especially not the religious authorities. In 1615, Galileo was brought before the Inquisition to be questioned and challenged. And after listening to his arguments and his reasoning, they determined that heliocentrism was ridiculous. It wasn't supported by their understanding of the scriptures, and therefore Galileo was wrong. And they meted out punishment accordingly. Well, as it turns out, Galileo was right. Copernicus was correct in his observations. The earth was not the center of the universe. And neither are we. In this story that we read this morning from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 4, Jesus speaks in the synagogue in Nazareth. And as he reads the scriptures, they're all amazed and they think he's wonderful. And yet he knows what's in their hearts and he challenges their thinking. You did these miracles in other places, in other towns and villages. You should do these miracles here for us. 
You've just claimed that this scripture about the Messiah, that this this prophecy that God would come to rescue his people, to set free those who are oppressed and to heal those in need of healing, you've just claimed that this is true. Now prove it. Show us. He refers here to what we have come to understand as an adage that, is hold, that holds true, that those who are most familiar are often the least understood and seen. Jesus is a hometown Nazareth boy. How could he possibly be this figure that is prophesied about, the Messiah? And so they aren't really listening They aren't hearing him when he speaks these words and declares that the world has changed, that God has entered in through his chosen Messiah, Jesus. As Jesus speaks, he reminds the people of Nazareth, who are Israelites, that God doesn't just work for one particular people. That God doesn't privilege one set of people over another. Rather, that God has his purposes that are beyond our understanding. That God perhaps has a vision that exceeds our own. He reminds them of times when things were hard in Israel but rather than the prophets of God doing miracles for the people of Israel, for the Nazarites, uh, sorry, for those who are from Nazareth for in particular, instead, a widow from Syria and an enemy general of the armies of Syria were the ones who were helped and healed. This was totally wrong, according to the people of Nazareth. You see, they were the insiders. They were the people of God. They were Israelites. They were the ones that God had chosen as his special people. They were the ones whom God was blessing and that God would rescue with a Messiah. How dare this pipsqueak who grew up in this town come and tell us that God is focused elsewhere. That God's power and his focus might not be on us. In this series, as we work through the Gospel of Luke, We want to hear these stories and take for ourselves lessons that we can learn from Jesus' interactions with those around him. Here, Jesus speaks words of truth that challenge the understandings of the people of Nazareth. He speaks to a truth that is beyond their own understanding of who they are how they are the center of God's universe and God's work. 
And he reminds them that God acts and loves others. So what are the implications that we can take from this story for ourselves? Because I think in many ways, we are those who consider ourselves the insiders in the gospel story. We have received the good news of the gospel. We have been part of the Christian church, the Anabaptist movement that goes all the way back to that Enlightenment age of the 1500s. And beyond that, we have been part of this Christian church, identity, recipients of the good news of Jesus, all the way back to Jesus and his apostles. We know the story. We know the scriptures. We have grown up in them, many of us. And I think we often begin to take for granted that we are at the center of God's story. Think about it for a moment. Are you at the center of Jesus' mission, of Jesus' work and his ministry? We often talk about it that way, don't we? Jesus is for us. Jesus is with us. Jesus hears my prayers. Jesus loves me. This is all true. It is all true. And yet sometimes we just assume that because this is true, that we are at the center of things. Just like the people of Nazareth thought they were at the center of God's ministry and this prophecy that was read. What we can learn here in this story of Jesus is that we need to be shaken from our assumptions of just where we are in God's story. One of the ways that this plays out in our lives, sometimes very deliberately, but often I think unconsciously, is that we decide that we will be the ones who will evaluate the truth claims of Jesus and the scriptures. That we'll listen, we'll read, we'll hear these stories, we'll hear the prophecies, and then we will sit back and we'll think about it. We'll study it and we'll say, well, Is this something that I would apply or not? Is this something that is true enough for me? Is this something that I will choose for myself? The truth of the matter is, is that Jesus is not waiting for us to decide whether he is the way, the truth, and the life. He's not waiting for us to figure out whether he is the promised one of Israel and all of humanity. He is who he is. He is the Son of God. He is the one who saves all of humanity through his death and resurrection. 
It's not about whether we think it's true or not. It's not about whether we like it or not. It's not whether we have anything to say in the matter. Jesus is who he is. Rather, the question is, will we get on board and will we walk with Jesus or not? When we find out that we aren't at the center of things, it can be deeply unsettling and disturbing. It reminds me of a time a number of years ago in which I joined a new role. I had a new job that I was supposed to be a part of. In this work that I was supposed to be doing, I was going to be a part of an administrative team. I was going to be part of that group that made decisions about where we were going, what we were doing, how we would set policies, and be the decision makers for the work that had to be done. But when I arrived at that job, when I got there, I found out that there had been some big changes in the organization. And because of those changes... I was no longer going to be part of that administrative team. Instead, I would be doing the frontline work, the hands-on work that this administrative team would be deciding for me. I had gone from being an insider to being on the outside. Not part of the discussion, not being part of the decisions, having no control. I will confess that that was a deeply disturbing and upsetting time for me. I was angry. This is not the way it's supposed to be. And beyond being angry, I was confused. Disturbed, you could say, because my whole identity was wrapped up in being part of the decision-making table, of being at the center of things, and now I couldn't be there. Who was I if I wasn't at the table? Who was I if I was an outsider? What are some of the ways that you and I hold on to our privilege of being insiders. Where we have control over things. Where we get to make the decisions. Where we have the power to decide this way or that way or how things ought to be done. This holds true not only in our personal lives, but even in our own understanding of the gospel and our relationship to Jesus. What are some of the ways that you and I make demands of Jesus? Or of what the gospel ought to be or ought to do in our lives? The people of Nazareth demanded that Jesus perform miracles for them. Prove it. Show us wasn't good enough that they had heard and seen it happen elsewhere. Do it here for me, now. Sometimes we make demands of Jesus like, well, 
If you'll answer my prayer here, if you'll give me what I want here, then I will do what you want over there. Or we'll look at the scriptures and read what Jesus has taught us, what the Spirit is saying, and we'll go, well, it can't really mean all that, right? I mean, that's, that's pretty heavy. Uh, that, I think that's, that's got to be hyperbole. That's just going a little bit too far, isn't it? Like, let's, let's find out what's reasonable and let's take a reasonable approach here to what the scriptures are saying. And we'll do it this way instead. Or perhaps it is in our personal relationship with Jesus that we make demands of him and that we want to hear over and over again that God loves us, assure us, reassure us. Yes, God loves me. Jesus is for me. Jesus, I just, I just need one more miracle. Just one more miracle and then I'll be in. Just do it again. In these ways, We act as people of privilege, insiders taking Jesus and the gospel for granted. And Jesus, as we see in this story, won't stand for that. He speaks truth and he shakes up our understanding and he reminds us that we are not the center of things. God and his will and his purposes and his ways are at the center. And we are invited into God's story through Jesus. It's not that we invite Jesus into our story. We are walking with Jesus. It's not that Jesus is walking with us. This kind of thinking also has implications for us as a church. What does it mean for us as a congregation, as a body of believers here at Fort Gary, if insiders are not the center of the ministry focus of the church? Oh, that might feel a little disturbing. What do you mean? You mean those who are part of the church aren't the ministry focus of the church? That does feel a little disturbing, doesn't it? But as we read the scriptures, as we consider again our call to be followers of Jesus, to walk with Jesus and invited into his kingdom work, we see that there is always an outward focus to God's vision, God's purposes. Who is it that needs the light of God? We have received the light. Who still needs the light of God? We need to go there. Who needs to see and taste that God is good? We need to go there. 
who is in need of the truth that brings salvation and eternal life? We need to go there. Who are those who are on the outside? The neighbors, the Syrians, those who are just beyond the circle of comfort and familiarity. Who are those who need to hear that they are invited to the table of fellowship to walk with Jesus? This is why we as a church address questions of injustice and marginalization in our community, in our nation, in our world. This is why we as a body here at Fort Gary welcome and support refugee families, those who have been displaced from their homes due to circumstances like war and famine, political upheaval. This is why we speak out against racism and inequities in the systems that we inhabit and have power over. This is why we tackle these hard theological conversations that make us uncomfortable. They're hard because they challenge our assumptions. And so we have conversations such as the topic of sexuality and how it intersects with being faithful to the calling that we have in Christ. This is why we pause to listen and to learn from our indigenous neighbors, to hear their story of suffering and longing for healing and wholeness. This is why we give generously, both individually and as a church, to missions, to agencies like Mennonite Central Committee that do the work of peace building and reconciliation and relief to places like Simon House that bring a message of good news to the children of our northern communities. We are a people who have received the gospel message, the good news that Jesus is King that Jesus is Lord over all, and that Jesus loves us and invites us in. We have become kingdom insiders. We have been called Jesus' beloved friends, children of God. But we must not place ourselves at the center of the universe. Our calling as those who have received this good news is to live out the mission of Jesus Christ personally and as a congregation to bring to others this light and hope and life My prayer as a pastor is that I will constantly be realigned 
with the word of God, the truth of scriptures, and the person of Jesus Christ so that I can serve well here in this congregation where I have been called. And my prayer is that we, as the people of Fort Gary MB Church, would allow the words of Jesus' message to penetrate to our very souls, to allow Jesus to upend the assumptions of our hearts and our lives, and to allow Jesus to become the center of our life, for Jesus to be the one that we walk with, May this be true today and always. Amen.